so for the sixth year running, it comes down to us to start analysing Manchester United's squad. But Paul, one huge difference this year. Can you guess what it is? Uh, no Rich. I mean, that that is also a thing. But <laughs> this is the first year that we've been doing this that we will not be analysing the career of one Toast Burner Marcus Rocco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's so sad. It's so sad. I didn't mean, I, I, yeah, I didn't want, I, didn't, I was hoping you weren't going to mention it, but. No, you have. It's just put a dampener on the whole thing, hasn't it, really? A sobering moment for us all. <laughs> Everyone, welcome to the final episode of this season of the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. Huge, huge thanks for you for joining us. You've got me, Ewan Lennitz, and him, Paul Gunning, to run the rule over United squad from top to bottom, analysing the best, the worst, and the middling when it comes to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's players. Just a quick word on Rich. Rich Can is unfortunately still not up to joining us at the moment. He is making a recovery from his recent hospital visit, and we, of course, send all the love to him right now. As he's actually listening at the moment, which is wonderful. I mean, normally he doesn't really care. So there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, it's too important to listen back to his own episodes. <laughs> but much love to Rich, of course. Uh, Paul, how are we doing, man? I'm very well, thanks, mate. Yeah, not too bad at all. Good. How are you feeling uh, with United out of your life now for the almost part of two weeks? Um, do you know what? It's it's actually quite nice. Um, it's been pretty relentless. Um, and obviously the, the Euros are, are starting this week and... I yeah, I mean, I, I probably will get into them once they start, but it just feels like, you know, these players, we, we're just watching guys get flogged to death, basically, now. Um, mm. So, but yeah, you know, it's um, I, I, I enjoyed the season to a point, but by the end, I, f- I, found, it, I found it pretty exhausting, so God knows how they must be feeling. Well, it, it's weird, isn't it? This season actually started later than almost any I can remember in modern memory, and yet it still was so intense yeah. even without fans apart from for one game at Old Trafford and that one game over at West Ham where the home fans were allowed you know despite the lack of support despite how condensed the season was it's ended up being extra draining purely because of that there was just that much football to play yeah. and you know now it's over it, it, it's I've been thinking a lot about how how I've stepped back from it and you know taken a little bit of time I haven't watched any of the build-up games like you said for the Euros even though I'm looking forward to watching you know, Gareth Bale obviously win it for Wales <laughs> at some stage over the next month. But yeah, it, it has been nice to step back from football for a little bit. And obviously with United in particular, the transfer rumblings were out in force the day after we lost to Villarreal. So, you know, obviously it, you never fully switch off from United, but in terms of looking or games to look forward to on the schedule, I'm kind of pleased that there's nothing there to worry about yeah. you know, for the time being anyway. And I guess it does kind of give you kind of a little bit of time to sort of analyse player uh, performances and where they sort of sit within the team now. Uh, but just before we get into that, Paul, there is just one more quick thing that we need to say. And it's a direct thing to you, the person listening to this. So we've had a lot of fun this year. I think you can probably tell where we're going with this. We obviously love doing this show and we have been doing it now, as I mentioned earlier on. This is going to be going into our seventh season at the beginning of the 2021-2022 campaign. If you've enjoyed the show this season, if you've enjoyed the show any season, season if you listen to one or two episodes or over a hundred obviously we're hugely grateful for it and we would love it if you could possibly consider if you have any spare money on you at all consider donating to the podcast it's redvoices.net slash donate you don't have to set up a standing order or any sort of consecutive payment anything you can provide helps us to 
continue funding the podcast because it does cost us shockingly enough to keep producing anything you can provide is hugely helpful it helps with our running costs it helps with the effort that it takes to record and edit and produce and post this podcast which is certainly not insignificant it's done for the love of the game but anything you can provide to help make that a little bit more worth it is hugely hugely appreciated indeed Right, Paul, the coin toss, heads or tails to begin with. We're going to be starting with goalkeepers and defenders. So we'll start off with uh, old Dino and De Gea. Coin toss, heads or tails? Uh, I'll go tails. Right. Tails it is. There you go, tails Bollocks, right. The tone has been set. Who have you got for me? Uh, I'm going I'm to give you Dean Henderson. Oh, okay. So last we spoke of Dean Henderson in the aftermath of the uh, Europa League final, I think it was. Obviously, we were somewhat conspicuous by his absence in the penalty shootout. We didn't wonder how far uh, this season could have ended had Solskjaer been a little bit less sentimental. As far as Henderson goes, obviously, he came back in last summer after returning from the Sheffield United loan. And I think I kind of expect him to get more game time considering that De Gea's season last year ended so inauspiciously you know he had a a pretty tricky time in the game against Sevilla that terrible performance in the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea and I guess there was elements of this season being primed for transition it's not necessarily panned out like that I do wonder if Solskjaer is got has got two minds about Henderson in terms of how far he can really push him even with De Gea potentially going out the door um, from what we've seen of him, you know, since uh, De Gea had to take a, a leave of absence due to the birth of his child, I feel more confident with him in front of whether it's Maguire or Lindelof or Maguire and Bai with him in goal. I think he's been more commanding. I think he deals with crosses and free kicks certainly better than De Gea has done over the last several years. I think his communication with the back line is better. And I also think his distribution in terms of his able his ability to actually get the ball moving quickly when we get it back in possession and move it on to our midfielders, the defenders, sackers, whoever is better. That's not to say it can't be improved, but I think if you're going to make a straight choice between which of the two we I would you would want going forward, I know a lot of people are still concerned about Henderson's level in terms of how far he can get. I understand that, but I feel like if we're coming down to a straight decision between the two of them. Obviously, you're going to be speaking about De Gea in a minute, but we know what De Gea can provide at this stage of his career. It's not suddenly going to improve to a degree that it's going to mitigate the problems that our defence has and the shortcomings he has. Henderson has at least got room to develop and improve upon his shortcomings at the minute, which is why, whilst it might not be the most ideal solution of those two, to me, he should be the one starting for United next season to at least see how far we can push things. Whether that means that we go for another keeper in a year, well... That's obviously not ideal, but so be it. But if it's a straight choice between the two of them, to me, it feels rather straightforward. Yeah, fair enough. Which I guess leaves me with, with Dav De Gea. Um, it sure does. Have fun with that. Yeah, it's a really tricky one. I find it, I, I find this really tricky. I, I think I think you're probably right. Um, and I think I would probably come down on, on the side of Henderson as well. I remember saying after the Spurs match when we lost... Uh, 6-1 that I felt that the team the defenders in particular but the, but the the entire team just didn't feel comfortable De Gea didn't really make any glaring mistakes that, that day but it just seemed to me that there was a a level of discomfort with him in goal and I wondered what, whether then might have been the time to to drop him or you know if you want to put it another way to give him a break 
Yeah, and these mistakes, you know, it's not just this season. It goes back to last season and even the season before when he's been just making these howlers. And we all love David De Gea. Um, I don't think that you'll find many United fans who don't. He's been a fantastic goalkeeper for United. And, you know, from the, from the time that, that Fergie retired until the last couple of years, he's been our player of the season. You know, he's been absolutely outstanding. Um and it's been between him and, and Manuel Neuer, really, you know, who's the best keeper in the world. But now he just looks lost, De Gea. And, and he, he, I think he looks as bewildered as, as, as all of us about his loss of form. So it's a huge decision for Oli to make um, this summer because I think he probably does have to sell one of them. And I think he will. And I think it'll be De Gea. And I think that'll be the right decision. I'm not sure how, how good Henderson is. I don't think any of us are. He certainly was good for Sheffield United, but... Obviously, it's a big step up. But the, the thing with De Gea is, you know, we know what he what he could do. But like you said, you know, he, he's made so many mistakes now that opposition teams um, know he's got that in him. Our team knows he's got that in him, so they feel panicky when he's in goal. And I'm just not sure. I think it, it would do him good to get away from United. And I think it'll probably do United good um, to, to say goodbye to him. So... Sad, but yeah, I think it's it's probably time for him to leave. Yeah, uh, it, it's not an easy decision to make. You know, we've spoken about De Gea so much, and I think a lot of United fans, us included, hold him in such high esteem purely because he has been the most consistent performer in the post-Ferguson wilderness, right? You know, there is, I don't think anyone realistically consistently comes close to him. You know, he saved us on so many occasions, but you can only burn that brightly for so long. And I think... If you look at what this defence needs, and essentially we are trying to build a back four around Harry Maguire and potentially another centre-back partner for him during this summer recruitment, you need to get a keeper that can help to mitigate the shortcomings that that back four or Harry Maguire potentially have. And to me, whilst Rich mentioned this in the WhatsApp group, you know, he was talking about the fact that you could potentially get 30, 35 million for Dean Henderson if you decide to sell him because Henderson's pushing to, to be first choice from now on. And whilst that money might potentially add a bit more money into the transfer kitty, De Gea's wages would potentially open up a little bit more in terms of the wage budget to allow us to bring someone else in. So it's a real sort of... There are pros and cons to going with either decision, and I don't begrudge Solskjaer having to make this call, And but I do think that once you get past the sentimentality of it all, making the dis- even if you don't go with Henderson as your first choice next season, you bring someone else in, it's such a risk to, hate, to take De Gea on for another full year and expect him to be able to deliver at the very top level because the mistakes that he's making in key areas and the fact that he doesn't necessarily inspire much confidence in that defence when, cro- when we're dealing with crosses or any sort of delivery at the minute points to a huge problem that has been developing for a couple of years and it's not going to get any better. So a call has to be made and I don't think you can go into season with both of them next year. Right, defenders. Who have you got for me? Um, oh, I'll give you a nice one here, Victor Lindelof. Victor, uh, that's not a nice one. That's a horrible one. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, one of the intriguing things about doing these reviews over the last several years has been how I was thinking about this earlier on. We sort of transitioned from talking about Jones and Smalling ad nauseum in the very much the same terms to talking about Lindelof and Bay ad nauseum in the same <laughs> terms. 
like I mean, Lindelof's been with the club now for what three, four years, yeah. and I feel like we say the same thing about him every year. He shows flashes of good performances, and he's good on the ball. Some of the assists he's made this season, the passes to Marcus Rashford have been superb. You know, remember that one in the Europa League, and it was superb. There's been a few though, haven't there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, his delivery is fantastic. And I think in terms of the actual players that we have, he's probably the best on the ball. You know, if you, I would not be against seeing him a bit further up the pitch, to be quite frank, because he's got so much, he's got so many mistakes in him. You know, mm. his positional awareness isn't fantastic. He's got no recovery pace and he's not that good in the air. He gets bullied off the ball so easily. And especially when you're dealing with someone in Harry Maguire who can be physically dominant to a degree, you really need someone who's going to be able to pick up the slacks in terms of the physical effort and pace. And Lindelof just doesn't have that. I know that he's preferred to Eric Bailly in Solskjaer's mind to a certain degree, which, you know, injuries aside, I'm still not quite sure it makes sense. I just don't see anything from Lindelof that makes me think he's going to be able to be a top-class centre-back. And that is what United are desperately crying out for as we try and take the next step to you know, trying to challenge City domestically, you know, whoever continentally, you know, I I, I don't see it. There's just far too many errors in this guy and lapses of concentration. And it's not, it's endemic to his game. It's not like it is something that happens every now and then. We see enough of this and we've spoken enough about it over the last several years to know this is a key facet of who he is. He's not going to be able to improve, I don't think, to you know, at this stage of his career to be able to get better at it. And it it, it sucks because, again, you just wish that United had so many pieces that they could potentially improve on. But I don't think Lindelof is going to be one, conversely to Bailly, for instance, who I feel like if he got a bit more of a run of form could produce something better. I don't see how Lindelof gets better than this. Yeah, and the thing with Lindelof is he he sort of always looks flustered, doesn't he? Um, He's not a calming influence. And I think, you know, with, with... say De Gea behind him and then obviously him next to Maguire you've got two players in the back five who everyone knows have got mistakes in them and can get bullied so yeah I'd agree with pretty much everything you said there um good I mean eight out of ten for handsomeness if not a nine yeah in a good hair as well you know he's a he's a good looking chap fantastic yeah all right Aaron Wan-Bissaka for you I like Wan-Bissaka um good start and now I do, I, I, you know, obviously his first season, last season, I thought he, he, he coming from Crystal Palace to, to United at such a young age, so that's a hell of a step up. Um, and I think he, he really did well. Um, this season, the thing with Wan-Bissaka is he plays pretty much every game. Uh, he's one of those players that you almost don't notice, but but he does. He plays pretty much every minute of every game and, and he must be absolutely shattered and but I really like him, and he's up and down the wing, and I think his attacking play has improved this season. It's still not where it needs to be, but I think he gets a pretty hard time for it, and sometimes unfairly. Defensively, he's absolutely incredible. I mean, in terms of his tackling, um, I've never seen anything quite like it. It must be a nightmare to play against as a forward, because uh, you think you got away from him, mm-hmm. and there he is again. Um, sometimes I think his positional sense is a bit questionable. Um, there's been a few times this season, and, and I you know, particularly if you remember the away game against Leipzig, they they really targeted him. And a few teams have tried to do that this season because it, I think I don't know if it's lapses in concentration or inexperience or maybe the nerves get the better of him sometimes, or if he's been told to play that way. I don't know, but he has. You know, he's made mistakes and and let players that he should be marking go. And it's cost us at times. So there's talk of um, Trippier being being brought in. I think that would be 
I can see the logic in that in a move like that because I think Wambasaka could do with just like Shaw um, got a competition from Tellers. I think Wambasaka could probably do with some competition, and not just competition, but someone who could come in and, and give him a rest every now and then, um, and particularly if it's someone experienced, someone he could learn from. I think the whole back four, by the way, needs better coaching. Again, I've said this all season, I think Ollie needs to get a proper defensive coach in because, you know, it's clearly not working, is it? Well, clearly not working. I mean, I just think that the the stats can lie to a degree. You know, we looked at the uh, defensive stats for United uh, the previous season. We thought they were looking all right. Yeah, exactly. But we were watching the team week in, week out, and we knew there were big deficiencies in it. And I think it's only gotten yeah, worse this year. Yeah, do you remember that season? I think it was under Van Gaal when... Um... I think we may, we may have had one of the best one of the best defenses in 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 the league by the end of the season, and everyone was hailing everyone who doesn't who didn't watch us week in week out was hailing us. You know, oh, you know what a fantastic defense, Van Gaal. Oh, that's 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 Louis Van Gaal <laughs> is down to a T. You know, getting them organised. We watched them every week, and and it was David de Gea who was who was getting them out of trouble week in week out. But this season, yeah, I think we've just been a bit exposed really um, defensively, particularly from set mm. pieces, and to to be continually conceding pretty much the same goal almost week after week it's just not good enough so something has to change and I'm not sure I think personnel has to change clearly in in the centre of defence but I don't think that's quite enough I think there needs to be something some more done on the, on the training pitch as well I mean, Wambasaka, 54 appearances, two goals, six assists. So the attacking output yeah. is improving. You know, the goal against Newcastle was great. You know, the goal in the 9 0 route against Southampton. I mean, you know, <laughs> how much credit do you get for scoring a goal yeah. in that game, to be fair? But no, 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 you're right. I mean, I think the the attacking output, in particular, because, you know, Mason is not, Greenwood is obviously not arguably a right sided yeah. forward naturally. I think that having someone of the better skill level, at least on Shaw's level, would be transformative to that right-hand side and it would give us more of a consistent threat down there because, you know, if you look at the difference between our left and right flanks, most of the threat really comes down the flank on the left where Shaw or Pogba or Shaw or Rashford are playing together. You know, between the three of them, they've got a great understanding and I think that helps a lot. You know, if you even that out on the right-hand side, whether that's through improved coaching or through Trippier coming in from Atletico Madrid, then so be it. You know, I think the great thing about Wan-Bissaka is that you can see him still playing well. Obviously, he's played yeah. so much football this year and I don't think that's helped them to a degree and last year Obviously as well the intensity yeah yeah i mean he's been pretty much never present you yeah know, he's not really missed out no injury so you know the fact that he's not gone to the euros i think could help him i think he's one who needs a rest so i'm pleased to see that at least but i still think there's more to come from and that's an encouraging thing to take from a young player having a price tag that big can be a big problem and i think for the most part he's handled it quite well i look forward to more from him who have you got for me then you can have harry Maguire, old slabhead himself um I think one of the greatest compliments you can perhaps play to Maguire after this season is we, I don't necessarily think took for granted, but his absence was so keenly felt after he picked up that injury against Villa that I think it calls into question a number of things, how reliant we've been on him and also just how bad our defensive recruitment outside of Maguire in terms of our centre-back pairings have been like, yeah, 52 games played this season two goals from headers I mean well if I remember correctly and good grief he should have scored about 10 more should be so much but more but still oh it should be I mean th- th- he's nowhere near as good enough and nowhere near as deadly or good at aiming his headers as he should be considering the amount of space he gets but hopefully that will improve I think he's done well as well as he could anyway of keeping that back for 
marshaled. I think it's very difficult when you're dealing with players in the form of De Gea who doesn't come out very often. He stays on his line. He's not necessarily that proactive in shooting down danger or moving the ball on quickly. It does require a lot more work. And when you've got Lindelof, when you're trying to keep him organized and you know he's got a mistake in him, the the stress and the levels that must be to deal with can't be easy. Mm -hmm. So again, that's one of the reasons why I do think it would make more sense for him if we're going to be building a defense around him to bring in Dean Henderson consistently as number one, because I think they've got much more of a, a chance of properly gelling as a partnership the more games that Henderson gets. You know, I think commanding performances you perhaps have wanted him to step up in a few more occasions but on the whole one of our more consistent performers you know I can't look at many games of Maguire and say he's at an absolute stinker there not many come to mind at the case anyway and you know I think again hopefully he's not going to play too much in the Euros because he's again another player who we've relied on so heavily the fact that by that Villa game he had not missed a single Premier League game over the course of almost two full seasons up until he got that injury it's insane yeah the fitness levels on that guy and the fact to avoid injury for that long is hugely impressive and we need to make sure we're not completely burning him out there has to be alternatives to him in terms of a a centre-back partnership or a centre-back presence who can stop goals not maybe on that level but at least be a little bit more consistent Um, going on from there I'm going to give you Axel Tuanzebe it's, I find it really hard to say. Really, I think I think there's a really potentially fantastic player in there, and we saw we saw that against PSG. I mean, that performance against PSG in the in the in the first game was yeah out of nowhere, miraculous. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding, um, and he, you know he, he's got that in him. But then then there were other games when I don't know if it, if it's maybe confidence. With him, he's still very young, really, for a defender. I really like him, um, and obviously, he's a, he's come through the youth system, so you always want those guys to do well. The trouble with him is, as well, is that he's never had a proper run of games either, not a, for a sustained period. Obviously, he had a pretty bad injury last season, I think, didn't he? But I think that there is a player in there, Bay Antoine Zabi, because they've never had any, you know, sustained periods of, of play. It's really difficult to judge them. And they can't. They don't have get any time to to build up a proper partnership with anyone. And in central defence in particular, it's all about that partnership, isn't it? But to Anzebi, I think he, uh, I think maybe another season at the club to see, yeah, to, just to to see what he's got in him. Really, I'm not sure he's top top level, and I think it's going to be difficult to say that really until he gets a decent sort of little run of games. Um, and it's pretty obvious that Ollie doesn't trust him completely. I thought he'd play. I thought he'd pick him against um, Villarreal in the final. I would have preferred him over Bailly, and he went with Bailly. I think he's less erratic than Bailly. It's difficult to choose between the two of them, really, because I'm not sure either either of them are really good enough for a club like United. Um, So I think the jury's out, really. Between Bailly, Tuanzebi and Lindelof, I still want Tuanzebi to do better. I still want him to succeed by any chance. Obviously, he's a academy lad but there's talk you know we forget that not long ago there was talk about him being captain i think he captained the side towards the end of last season he did yeah and there's been discussions about this you know he's been an ever-present at united at at every level and i think if he can get a run of games and stay fit and stay consistent there's no reason as to why he can't force himself permanently into the centre-back plans i think the disappointment has been for one thing or another that with the flux and the inconsistency that we've seen between Lindelof and Bay when he's been around Tuanzev, he's not been able to force himself into the equation more. And 
you know, I I do still think there's a player there that's worth spending time on. But again, it's it's the same with Bayern Lindelof for me. I think time's running out for him to prove himself to a degree. I think he's got he's got a couple more years on his side for sure, given his age. Yeah. But if he really wants to be playing top flight football consistently at United, then I feel like this season is decisive for him. I'd say so. Yeah. Right, uh, Alex Tellez. Never has someone been brought in for so much money to provide so many more minutes to someone else (laughs) (laughs) than Alex Tellez. I mean, when he came on, when he played against PSG in Paris in the first game of the Champions League group stages, I thought, oh, it could be interesting here. And given his delivery from the left-hand side, which, you know, is... Luke Shaw's uh, crossing has definitely improved, but I thought, well, he's he's got a keen eye for a cross. You know, he's constantly trying to find Cavani. There could be a player here, but whenever we've shifted away from a three-five-two and he's been asked to play in more of a standard left-back role, he's looked really incredibly shaky. And I don't know whether or not it's the natural inclination to attack. Just not up to it. It's a strange one. I appreciate what he's done for Luke Shaw because he looks to have focused him to a razor sharp level. And, you know, he's lit a fire under him in terms of consistency of his performances. But I haven't seen anywhere near enough for him to suggest that he's anywhere more than squad fodder, which is, again, sort of a criticism of last summer's recruitment plan, right? What plan? Well, yeah, I mean, we've got, what, five players last year and one of them has turned into a first-team regular and that's the bloke that's 34 years old. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tellez, I like his attitude, I love his attitude. You know, he's he's obviously really um, happy to be playing for United. Um, and, he, yeah, there's sort of moments... Well, aren't at there? United as opposed to playing uh, for Yeah, United. at United. But, yeah, I know what you mean. He, he doesn't inspire confidence, really, as a fullback um, in the defensive side of things, particularly. So, um, yeah, I think jury's out on him, really, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. Right. Uh, Eric Bailly. Uh, Eric Bailly. Um... One of the very few Manchester United players who's actually very much worthy of a no-context account. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious, but he, <laughs> you, you can't trust him. That's not how you should start describing a footballer. <laughs> <laughs> but he is. I mean, he's sort of hilarious to watch because he's just this loose cannon. Um, you never know what he's going to do. At times, he can he can look like a, a an absolutely inspired defender. And when he's on his game, you know I, I really like him. I think he, he's he's really quick and he can read the game well. But there's like Lindelof, there's always a mistake in him, and he can be so erratic. And you know that it's that kind of blood and thunder style of play, similar to Phil Jones in a way, where he just sort of throws his body on the line and ends up injuring himself quite often. I personally, I don't think he's good enough for United, even as a squad player. Um, I really don't. I know, I know a lot of United fans will probably disagree with me on that, but um, and that might be in part because he just he cannot get a run of games. He can't stay fit. Well, it's no good having a player who can't stay fit, um, unfortunately. And it might sound a bit callous, but you know, if if he can't stay fit enough to sort of find some consistent form. And what's the point? You know, I think he's just signed a new contract, hasn't he? By and I yeah, think... yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about this. I, I, it I must don't get be it. for resale I... value, surely. It must be. Well, yeah, but United are terrible when it comes to selling players. Yeah. Like, we've done so many contract extensions over the last couple of years for quite unquote resale value, and we basically get nothing from it anyway. So I don't understand it. I, I still 
have an immense amount of time for the guy and oh, great, great affection for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, like, when Maguire got injured against Villa, you would have thought at that exact moment in time, that is your opportunity yeah. to stake a claim. That is your opportunity to say to Solskjaer, I am capable of being a presence in this defence that can provide and offer consistency and offer solidity. And... All right, it was Lindelof who lost his man for Moreno's goal in the, the final in Gdansk. But Bai didn't really do anything that I would say really marked him out as a player that was going to be able to offer offer us any more than we already knew. He's He's got a fantastic challenge in him. He's got eccentricities that make him fantastic to watch. And I think there's a genuinely good player there. There's no consistency, though, and there's no trust in him in terms of keeping consistently fit so i don't know why we did it i really don't what? go on i'll give you luke shaw oh i mean i'll tell you what do you want to give me brandon williams because i feel like we should probably end on uh spoiler alert my player of the season oh uh, right okay yeah cool um yeah go on i'll give you brandon williams Great, this will be short. He's not been able to play whatsoever because Solskjaer clearly doesn't trust him. No, I don't um, think I, I mean, do either. Well, I mean, the funny thing was, you know, we're going into that game against Sheffield United back last season, you know, the 3-3 draw. And, you know, Williams scored a fantastic half volley, if I remember correctly. And we were talking about how much he was really putting pressure on Luke Shaw. and. Yeah. Over the course of this last season, the fact that Shaw and Wembasaka haven't been dislodged by Williams on a consistent basis at all just suggests that there's something amiss there. And he's been given a new contract over the course of the last year, and I don't think he's undeserving of it. But whether it's down to a lack of focus, whether it's down to poor training, whatever it is, whenever he's played, he's not looked like the same player. It looks like this... The positional sense hasn't been there. The reading of the game hasn't been there. He's looked sloppy. He's been bad in possession. It's just not right. And there are a few better places if you've got the right attitude. And this is such a nebulous term to use, but mentality than Mm. United to truly develop your game if you've got the right approach and mindset. And I do wonder whether or not we'll see more from Williams. Because again, he's a player, given the raw talent, could develop into something really good for United, but I don't think this season we've seen enough to suggest that he's going to be able to get a consistent run of games at all. It's funny, isn't it? Because he, he like you said last season, playing on the left, he looked so good, and and yet yeah, right back is his, his preferred position, I think, isn't it? And he's looked pretty poor every time I've seen him at right back. So I don't know what's going on. I think yeah, you're right. It's um, it's a bit of a weird one. Really like his attitude. Nineteen appearances in all competition in a season where we played over sixty games yeah. is not a good look. No, it's not at all. Right. Well, you get the fun one now, though. Luke Shaw, absolutely outstanding, and I'm so pleased for him because when you think about, you know, you look back on his United, his time at United, um, sort of big money fee coming from from Southampton to United um, and Lou Van Gaal. I think a lot of us were very excited to have bought him. You know, he was sort of England's hottest prospect at the time in terms of sort of full-backs. And he looked a hell of a player and it just didn't work for him for a year or two. And then, of course, he got that horrific injury. I don't think any of us can really imagine what an injury like that must feel like, not not physically but mentally, for, for, a, for a professional footballer. Um, he must have been terrified, again, not just at the time of the actual injury itself, but... In the months following it, you know, terrified that he wouldn't be be the, the same player because you know he he was so quick and 
And obviously tackling is a huge part of his game. And I think for a while he was playing within himself and, and he probably was playing with a bit of fear. Um, and of course, Jose Mourinho bullied him, literally publicly bullied him, which was an absolute disgrace. When you look back on it, I mean, at the time we were all outraged, but you look back on, on some of the things Mourinho said about Shaw... Uh, and his behaviour towards him, and it was actually disgraceful and, and disgusting. And and Luke Shaw's come through all that, and I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has, has, has played a huge role in kind of boosting Luke Shaw's confidence again, uh, making him believe in himself. We mentioned Alex Tellers earlier, obviously, and, and his arrival has clearly helped Shaw um, because he, he, you know, he knows that he can't just turn up and, and get picked every week because there's competition there now. But I think more than that, it's it's knowing that his manager believes in him. Most United fans, and myself included, have written him off. You know, I just didn't feel he was he was ever going to get back to or reach his potential at United. Um, I couldn't see it happening. And this season, he's been just a joy to watch. He really has. You know, he, he built up a lovely relationship with with Rashford on the left, like you said earlier. Um, defensively, he's been pretty solid. Going forward, he's been fantastic. Um, and I've, I've, I'm just overjoyed for him. Um, and long may it continue. And, and it's great to see him back in the England squad as well, because it really did look like his career might fizzle out for quite a while there. And mm. I think he's shown real character and real inner strength to to come through all this adversity and have just a season of his life, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think the. One of the big things when it comes to analysing Shaw's performance, and it's something that Shaw mentioned himself, and you said a second ago, was it's a good advert for Solskjaer's man management in terms of how good he is at getting the best out of some of these players. You know, Shaw was, you know, without wanting to pat ourselves on the back too much, a year ago, we were not consigning him to the scrap heap at all. We were saying there are enough signs from the last season to suggest he might actually be in line for a really good 12 months or so. We'll, we'll take our credit where it's due. But I don't necessarily think I saw a level of consistency and yeah. productivity and ability to link up with Rashford and Pogba so cons- so impressively and for so many chunks of this season like this. You know, I, I think it's definitely impressive to see given the severity of that injury you know he is back up to the level that we saw prior to that leg break in Holland and you know finding someone like Rashford to play alongside him in the way that he did with Memphis Depay initially in that second season oh, they, so good together, didn't they? they do there's an understanding there and I think there's more willingness from Shaw and high levels of fitness to track back you know and, and not only that when he finds himself in good positions the quality of the delivery is getting there yeah you know one goal six assists i think again that's something that can be improved upon and i think that once we you know start maybe committing more when forward once we start figuring out each other's runs a little bit more he's only going to get more opportunities to improve that end product i think defensively as well in particular that's an area of his game that's improved i think his challenges and his reading of where the ball's going to go and when to pick your moment to be around his positional sense is getting much better as well because that's something that used to drive me spare in terms of his inability to be in the right place at the right time his reading of the game's improving i mean again as i said for me, player of the season just purely in terms of consistency when it comes to what United have offered this season. We'll get to like Sir Bruno and Rashford a little bit later on, but to me, if you're looking for United's most reliable performer in terms of top quality, then it's sure. 
Excellent. Right, well that's goalkeepers and defenders over and done with. Time for a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. Right, Paul, before we dive into midfielders, a quick chat on our, uh, well, you're more than me, beloved Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, in terms of our Manchester United manager. Now, obviously, this is with the veil of the... Europa League final sort of cast over it how do you feel about going into the next season under him um same as ever really um I mean yeah the the final defeat is still raw um not quite as raw as it was but you know it's it's starting to heal a little bit but um I I really like Ollie. I've said it loads of times before it's easy to forget just what a mess he inherited and in in sort of every possible department the club was was a mess and it was a miserable place to be even as a fan um, and it was clearly a miserable place to be for a lot of the staff and the players. And at first, I think, you know, I, I probably assumed that all Ole had really done is, is come in and cheered everyone up. And the fact that he wasn't Jose Mourinho was enough to sort of get a bit of a, a tune out of them for a while. But what I've seen since then, since he became permanent manager, is a guy who's working incredibly hard. I trust him. I trust that he cares more about Manchester United Football Club than he does about his own um, sort of professional career, if you like. I think he he clearly realizes how lucky he is to have landed the job, but I also think that you know he's um, he's got United's best interests at heart. I think transfer his transfer business has been pretty good. Obviously, we've mentioned last summer. I don't think that was his fault by any stretch of the imagination. His man of management is is seems impeccable. There are weaknesses there. We've seen, you know. More times than I care to remember, dodgy substitutions or a lack thereof. Um, he clearly doesn't trust his his full squad. Again, I'm not sure how much of that is his fault, but I think he, he could have used his squad better than he did in some of the less important games. Um, so there are there are there are issues with him. But I've said from day one, I think he's probably learning on the job. And yeah, you, you know, a lot of people would say, well, United shouldn't be a finishing school for a manager, but we are where we are, um, and. A lot of the people who say Oli out, get a, a big manager in, a manager with experience. Well, we tried that, didn't we, with Van Gaal. We tried that with Mourinho and it didn't work. And what I've seen under Oli has been by far the best football I've seen United play since Fergie retired. The most enjoyable football I've seen United play since Fergie retired. And all right, we're still way behind City, but with a few more astute signings. And I know we say this every summer. But the thing is, Oli can't just go out and buy, you know, a brand new defence if he wants one. It has to be one big signing a year, basically, and then a couple of others, sort of squad players. That's all he can do. Um, that's all the Glazers will allow him to do. You know, he, he said when he got the manager's job, it's a bit of a rebuild. It's going to take two to three years. I think it's been two now. So next season's really important for him we need to see real tangible progress again on top of what we've we've had this season um but i like the direction we're going in under Ollie, and i think it's inevitable that there're going to be uh, a few downs as well as ups and we've had some of those but we're going in the right direction in my opinion i'll 
do a bit of devil's advocate in terms of what you just said there. And I'm not saying I don't think you're wrong. I, I think what worries me thinking in particular about the way this season drew to a close, and obviously I've been talking about caveats and mitigation for months, trying not to get too downhearted about some of the performances and results that we've seen over the course of this season. I think that there are three games in particular that worry me in terms of Solskjaer's limitations. So we think about the game in Istanbul in the Champions League against the side who I think ended up relegated from the Turkish Super League. That to me was a failure of preparation. So the team was nowhere near mentally where it should have been for that game. And it showed, you know, we fell 2-0 down and we couldn't pull our way back into the game. You look at the game uh, also in the Champions League against PSG at home, where at one all, we were on top, Tuchel made a change, and United was way too slow to react. Fred got himself sent off, and then we lost the game, which could potentially have sorted out our last 16 progression. And then you look at the game against Villarreal, in which we got ourselves back onto parity, having fallen behind once again. But we didn't make any significant enough changes to really tilt the game in our favour. Now, obviously, you can talk all you want about the quality of the squad. But I do feel like these are big questions for Solskjaer to answer in terms of taking himself onto that next level. Because the very top level coaches are capable of swinging games in their favour, whether it comes down to a little bit of luck. They provide themselves the platform in order to get those moments. And it's not just down to him. You know, obviously there's elements that, you know, you need to improve the coaching staff. As you've mentioned, Musa Okwonga was saying this on the Stadio podcast recently when he was talking about bringing in the likes of Carlos Kieros, you know, obviously helped United a lot back in the previous couple of decades, you know, in terms of transforming United and giving us a better option and better understanding of how to use the team and the squad. And I'd wonder if Solskjaer would benefit hugely from bringing on another sort of non-United experienced head to try and help develop the tactical plans because that does seem to be somewhere where we fall. You know, we're we're a vibes team, aren't we? We're a moments team too much. You know, we need mm. to have a little bit more dominance about us. We need to consistently take hold of games and not lose our momentum. And that that's one thing that worries me so much about United and De Solskjaer is that I've still not seen enough development in terms of a uniform style, a consistency that could really get us up to the point where we are consistently causing problems for the likes of City. And I'm not saying that I haven't enjoyed this season at points because it's been one of the more fun, regardless of how it ended, in terms of how many wonderful moments we've had and great comebacks. But you can't dine out on those comebacks alone. I do wonder just how far Solskjaer can push it, given the drawbacks we've had this season you know it remains to be seen when we come to sort of talk about transfer chat later on but that's kind of where I'm at you know I do wonder about how far he can push things right uh midfielders I am waiting for your choice okay yeah van der Beek <laughs> great so I've had Brandon Williams followed by Donny van der Beek <laughs> fantastic thanks for that no but I mean oh th- Donny, there's, Donny, there's Donny. lots to say about van der Beek isn't there even despite his lack of playing time what what have you shut up right um donny van der beek right okay i would wager almost every single united fan assumed that we'd be seeing a lot more of this nice dutch man from ajax when he signed for us last year he was he turned into the marquee signing you know bought for a little over 30 million pounds of memory serves last summer 36 performances most of which I'm pretty sure were substitute over the course of the season uh, most of them in the Premier League the one goal as a substitute in the Villa game at the start of the season sorry the Palace game in which we lost 3-1 I know obviously that there's an element 
that he was brought potentially as a stopgap or a bit of a, a buffer in, in case Paul Pogba was potentially going to go. Um, once it became clear that Pogba was staying, the purchase of Van der Beek made even less sense. I think Solskjaer really needs to figure out what he wants to do with him. You know, you can use the Wolves game, obviously, with huge underwriting to suggest that maybe he could potentially have a bit of a role in central midfield, maybe taking up the spot from Fred McTominay in terms of a bit of an all-action mover. But I don't think he was bought for that. I think he was, initially, when he spoke to Solskjaer, and he said this in the interview with the club, he was talking about playing as more of a number 10 role. Obviously, when you come to a club like United and you've been instilled with the Ajax way or any sort of club philosophy on that sort of level that's so finely tuned to the minute detail it's going to be difficult to move into another way of thinking in terms of how you play your football and I think we've seen that in the sense that he seems in games to be second guessing himself you know the game against Leicester the FA Cup quarter final was fantastic in terms of an example how often did he actually move the ball forward he was constantly waiting for play to catch up to him and passing it backwards obviously he needs to improve on that sense but I do feel like Solskjaer needs to figure out just what the hell he's going to do with him this next summer because mm. I've no idea where he fits into this United team at the moment and for the fact that he ended up we ended up spending that much money on him I mean it's not quite Fred Mark 2 but it's worryingly close yeah the only thing I'd say is that I've heard I've heard that that United basically never intended for him to play all that much this season I'm sure they intended for him to play more than he has but they always saw this as a transition season because it's such a huge step up from the Arriva Dursi to the Premier League and, and a lot of Dutch players have sort of made that leap and, and failed and so that, you know, I think obviously obviously next season is, is a huge one for him and it is, a, it is a bit of a problem for him because, you know, if he does want that t- number 10 role, he's not going to get it, is he? Not in the big games. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Prob's not, no. So no. It's, a, it's a big uphill climb for him but and, and to be honest with you, like you know, I, I didn't see a huge amount from the little I did see of him to suggest that he's you know got it. You know, that there's a great, great player in there, um, and I, I wouldn't imagine he would have been wanting to be coming to a club to be a squad player. So no, I mean, Rich doesn't like him, but then Rich doesn't really like many people. I'm not even sure he likes us that much. To be <laughs> uh, right, Fred. There you go. F- me up, I'll f- you back. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Fred. I, I love Fred. He, he you know, Why? I, 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 he seems like I think he he might be the happiest player I've ever seen to be to be playing for United. Is in, you know, happy with his lot. I think he knows he's not good enough for United, but he's going to give it absolutely everything he's got for the club. He's not good enough. Is he good enough to be a squad player? Yeah, probably just about. But what he, you know, he. he he tries incredibly hard. Every now and then he'll, he'll put in a fantastic performance. His energy levels are incredible, but he's not good enough. He wouldn't get into any other top European side, in my opinion, whatsoever. He's um, a specials player. Like, if we're playing a game like... His best performance in the United shirt was the second leg against PSG, right? He was great in that role. He can be a bit of a destroyer and get possession back and he's not necessarily the best at passing it off but his work rate can be superb I mean you ask him to pass forward and offer a more of an attacking threat in a team like United these days it's not going to work you know and no and and he gets himself into some fantastic positions to shoot as well but he's got one of the worst shots I've ever seen in my life and you and remember I watch... Solskjaer clapping at him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
it's, so it's it's really sad to watch, you know, because it it got to the point where it got to the point where when the ball comes out to him, and you know that sort of Paul Scholes position where he's he's running towards the opposition penalty box, the ball's coming out to him. And, pocket, yeah. and I just groan when I see that it's him. I just groan because we know it's not, it's not it's probably not even going to be on target, and if it is, it's 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 not going to be good enough to go in. So it's going to Saturn's gravitational pull, as well. Yeah, going. it's and it's a shame, you know, because he, he's a really likable guy. Um, Solskjaer clearly really really loves him, and I think that's probably to do with his attitude. But long term, we need a pretty big improvement on him, really. Considering the fee, I mean, when you consider that Chelsea bought Kante for, I think it was thirty odd million, and we've spent we spent fifty million on on Fred. I mean, it, it's it beggars belief, really. I'm not sure what United scouts at the time saw in him that made them think he could possibly become, you know, a top top player. I just don't think he's he's I just don't think he's that good. But then again, I think he'll be playing for us again next season because. I can't see us buying a central midfielder this summer. Oh, that was sobering. Yeah, plus, obviously, there was the, the red card. We should probably mention the red card against PSG. You know, he should have been taken off in that game. That was that was, that one was on Oli. Um, and again, it it's that kind of... I think in a game like that, the, the rash challenges... that Because that's not really his game. He doesn't make a lot of rash challenges. I think that's just because the, he couldn't keep up with the quality that he was playing against, and that's why... He was late to challenges and, and and making mistakes. That reflects on him, really. You know that he's he's not quite good enough for that level. Uh, Fifty million pounds, Paul. I know. I know. Five zero. I know. Uh, I mean, you can blame Jose, but honestly, and I and I do. I, I blame Jose for. I, I blame Jose for for a lot of things. Yeah, global warming. Why not? It's not just Jose, is it? I mean, there's an entire, or well, there should be. Like there should be a, a, more than one person going, yeah, him. You know, um, I mean, who him? <laughs> someone, someone needs to be in that meeting and say him. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, do you remember Jose? We watched him numerous times, and that was one of those things where Guardiola was going for him at City, and you can imagine he would be a good Guardiola player to mould. But we don't necessarily mould players well enough for that to have been worthwhile, especially not for that price. No, I mean he's improved massively under Oli. I mean, you know, I mean, barely getting in the game was he under Jose, which is another weird one. Like, why why did he buy him and then not play him? Um, And I think he has improved, but you know, there's, there's no more room for improvement. I don't think not at United. Uh, he got a goal against Spurs, so that's something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who have you got for me? Where have we got to? Go on, Paul Pogba. Thank God. Uh, the hypothetical uh, Premier League title charge took a massive hit when he got injured uh, in that game. I think it was against Everton. We have spoken so much about whether or not Pogba has failed United or whether United have failed Pogba, and I still maintain that there are elements of blame to a degree on both sides in terms of Pogba being sold a project that wasn't quite what he was envisaging when he returned from Juve, and not only that, that we've seen inconsistencies in him in terms of his ability, but when you actually see him play like you did in most of the second half of last season, when you see him score goals like he did against West Ham, when you see him step up in bigger moments, and we saw that on several occasions throughout this season, there are few players more talented and more capable than him. And 
especially obviously that there's the caveat of putting him out on the left hand side which means that Rashford gets shunted away from his preferred position his most consistent position but I do I don't think it's a surprise to see Pogba really shiny United shirt in the last sort of sort of quarter of the season out left with Luke Shaw on the left of that midfield as opposed to being stuck a bit further back in central midfield the further up you put Pogba the more damage he's going to cause right and mm. I don't know how Solskjaer squares that at all and I do think that given the midfield options and the attacking options that it's something that we're going to continue to see because I don't think Pogba goes this summer you know I don't see that I would almost be happy for United to take the risk of not getting any fee whatsoever for him and try and let him run this contract down because I don't see anything happening for a player with that much of a commercial impact and contracts and sponsorships to sign away happening this year considering that there's going to be obviously a quick turnaround before the end of the Euros and the start of the next league season. Solskjaer wants to know what he's working with. And if a massive piece of the puzzle as Pogba is going to be absent, he'll want to get that sorted out ASAP. And the rumblings have been slight if non-existent. So I would imagine we'll see him again next season. And the thing is, if United really want to push on, having a player of Pogba's quality in the team consistently is going to be big wherever he's playing because he is a very, very good footballer. We can talk as long as we want about how consistent his end product has been in terms of how good his performances are. But when he's on it, are there many better midfielders in world football than Pogba? And yeah, that can be frustrating. But for what he can give in a United side that is constantly ticking, which who knows, maybe this next season will be the one where it finally happens. He could be a massive part of it. And I honestly think that if Solskjaer wants to win the league, which I'd imagine he probably wants to, given the fact that he's going into his third full season at United, Pogba could be a huge part of that. Yeah, I mean, I as a player, I absolutely adore Pogba. But like you say, when, when he's... When he's sort of fit and firing on all cylinders and and he's got the bit between his teeth, he's an absolute joy to watch. And there's no mm-hmm. I don't think there's another player quite like him in world football at the moment. Um again when he's on song. Ollie Ollie dealt with the with the Raiola situation pretty well. Uh, I'm not sure how much Pogba knew about that. I don't I've no idea. All that side of things, it can be incredibly annoying. And actually, at the time, ridiculously when Raiola made those comments earlier in the season, I, I was all for putting Pogba in the reserves. A couple of days later, I kind of calmed down, or not even that, but I calmed down and, and, and thought, now this is ridiculous. Not one of your better opinions, mate, I must admit. No, exactly. You know, I was just pissed off. because I, was, I wasn't even pissed off with Pogba. I was pissed off with, with Raiola, and I was pissed off with just the entire kind of circus around it. He is a world-class player. I do sometimes think, I mean, you know, he, he, I thought he played really poorly in the final, and he wasn't the only one. But these are the moments when you need players like Pogba to step up and, and really take charge, and I just don't think he did that. Too often he doesn't do that. But then there was that period before his injury earlier in the season when he was unplayable. I've got a question for you, though. If United could sell Pogba and buy Grealish, would you go for it? Nah. Would you not? No, no. I mean, maybe that's the romantic in me, because I love Paul Pogba as a <laughs> as a person and a footballer. Mm. I just think he gives you moments and flashes and ability that almost no other midfielder can match. And that obviously comes with caveats. But I don't think Jack Grealish would make me feel the same way about watching him succeed in the United shirt than Paul Pogba would. And you think Pogba has more chance of succeeding in the United shirt than, than say, if we brought Grealish in? 
Um, that, that that's a completely different thing. I mean, you're talking about my preference. Uh, would I rather use Jack Grealish as a you know a, as a replacement for Pogba? I mean, on a practical level, that's not going to happen. But if you if you if trying to appeal to the romantic in me, it, I would keep Pogba. Yeah, nine times out of ten, even if it's just one more year, I don't care about United's finances that much in terms of whether or not they take a hit on the stupid outlay they did for him. The idea of keeping him for the year, maybe tying him down to an extra two or three after that. That, to me, is worth the risk of trying to see what you can get out of him for one more season. If all if United have got all their ducks lined up, this could work out pretty well. And I think Jack Grealish is a great player. I think it's very clear that he is needing a level up from Aston Villa right now. But what he could potentially provide United, I would stick with Pogba. And it would, it would be, it'd be absolutely wonderful, wouldn't it, to... to... For Pogba to be instrumental in, in bringing the title back to United, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it mm. would, to see that because for numerous reasons, obviously he was he's a product of our youth system. Um, he's come back to the club, and and then all the sort of hatred and vitriol that, he, that has come his way from United fans as well, a lot of United fans. To see him lift the trophy would be would be quite special, I think. Yeah, I mean, you saw on the pitch after the final in Gdansk, you know, people have talked about his leadership abilities and sometimes been quite damning of him going missing. You know, it's clear you saw from the World Cup video prior to the, you know, during France's campaign, he's clearly a very vocal presence. Yeah. And you saw him trying to cajole the team after the final. It's very clear that he's looked up to and respected oh, on that is. side. Oh, yeah, you know, he's very highly yeah. thought um, of and very, very well liked, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he started the season with covid as a yeah. top athlete trying to deal and cope with a respiratory disease, you know, 42 games, six goals, nine assists, those aren't absolutely baller Pogba numbers, but they're still decent. And I still think we can get more out of him for another full year, you know, without the disruption that we've had this season, without having to worry about another uh, coronavirus infection. I think we could be looking at Pogba's best season to date if we get our buys right this summer and if the team comes back in good shape and if Solskjaer is able to figure out exactly what he wants from this side consistently. Right, uh, choice for you is going to be... I mean, the thing is, none of these are particularly easy choices. Uh, I'm <laughs> going to give you Matic. Nemanja Matic. Okay, Matic, yeah. It's been a funny season for Matic. I mean, it's the usual thing with Matic. He's incredibly slow. But I think he does add a bit of poise at times and I think Oli actually really likes him and it's a funny one because it looked like he was on his way out of United didn't it and it, it seemed like Oli he was one of the players that Oli had kind of shunted to one side but now he seems to really trust Matic and there, there was a moment I can't remember who we were playing but there was a moment when the camera panned to the sidelines and Matic and Solskjaer were in sort of deep conversation and I think he really trusts Nemanja Matic I think he trusts it not just trust him on the pitch but trust his kind of experience and opinion and likes having him around. I know Matic isn't massively popular with United fans, <laughs> and I and I get that he's not my favourite player either. It's very rare that you know Nemanja Matic is thrown on the pitch, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, fantastic. His best days are well and truly behind him. Let's face it. I just I do wonder whether Oli wants will, will want to keep him at the club for his experience, and um, 
I've got, I don't know, I've just got a sneaking suspicion that he might end up on the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would be a bad idea. I, I just wonder if we could get maybe like five, ten million out of him from Roma because yeah. obviously Mourinho's got something of a hard on for him. Um, whether or not we take that, I think a coaching role I've got no problem with. And I do think there is a benefit to a degree if this United side can stop being quite so haphazard when it comes to defending leads he could be a good closer for us you come on and just try and steady the ship for 10-15 minutes or so if United are trying to close out a lead you know close out a game Um, I think there's definitely a benefit to him I just think that as a starter he's washed at the top level and I I don't see how in the big games you rely on him so if he's happy to be that closer and if United can build a better foundation to the point where we're not completely overwhelmed in possession when we're trying to kill off the game Fine. It's just whether or not he's happy with that. Yeah, I think the other thing with Matic is, I mean, there aren't that many players at the club now who've won the Premier League title, and he's he is one of them. Obviously not with us. But, yeah, just not with us. <laughs> um, but yeah, and also with him, I don't think he's not really built a partnership up with with either McTominay or Fred, has he? So yeah, I I agree with you. I think yeah, I agree with you. That's it, really. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Fair enough. Scott McTominay. Ah, oh, Scotty T. Um. One of the more pleasant surprises of the season to a certain degree in terms of his goal threat. I mean, I think McTominay to a degree is an example of how a player can develop given his age and how quickly people are to shout down and sort of bury a player based on his age and based on his performances. Because I do think that what uh, over the course of McTominay's time at United, we have seen him improve and develop in terms of a midfield presence. I still don't think that he is ever going to be elite level, but I think that classic United sides have often had players like him who can slot in and do quite unquote do a job, right? You know, and he's his goal threat and his strike, given he's a central midfielder, obviously he trained as a striker earlier on, is superb, isn't it? Like you look at some of the goals that he scored for United. The the two against Leeds, the the way that he can hit a football is superb, to be quite frank. And given his consistency to a degree I mean obviously you want to see him develop into being more of an attacking threat and that, I think that that's the big sort of caveat when it comes to McTominay is how far away is his ceiling is he really ever going to get better than this you know time is still on his side to a degree you know he's only 24 at this stage so he's still got a couple of years left in him in terms of you know really improving and getting better and I do wonder just how far he could go with you know a better level of coaching and a better standard of coaching but I think in totality, one of United's not better, but more reliable performers over the course of a full season, right? You know my opinion on McTominay. I really like him. Um, I always have. You know, he might never be elite level, but I think he, I think there is still room for real improvement. I'd like to see him as more of a box-to-box midfielder than he is currently. Um, I think he's got an incredible engine. Um, and like you say, his goal-scoring threat you know, is, is pretty good these days. So I love the guy. That means you've got Juan Mata. Oh, uh, Juan Mata. In line for a new contract, apparently. Yeah, and I wouldn't be disappointed with that. It, it, the thing with Mata is, I th- earlier in the season, he was actually getting picked in, in some of the sort of League Cup games and and some of the less important games, or the, the sort of quote-unquote easy games. And he was doing pretty well. And, you know, the guy's never been able to finish 90 minutes, so we know that he can't play a full season game in, game out, but... Again, a bit like Matic, probably a decent presence to have in the, in the dressing room. And I just gave him one-year extensions for the rest of his life, personally, because I absolutely <laughs> adore him. And, of course, he's had a really tough year. 
this year he's lost his mum I think he's looking after her for a while and you know because I was wondering where the hell where's, where's Mata gone and then obviously heard that news and um, really mm. sad for him and, and to, uh, to the thought of a sad one Mata is just heartbreaking yeah I love him and I think he's probably quite popular among the players and I, and I was surprised that Oli didn't put him on in, in the um, game against Villarreal I can't remember whether I mentioned this on the the la- on the last pod that we did about that about that final, the game was being played at such a slow pace that they're the sorts of games where you do throw one matter on because he can unlock defenses with a pass, um, and he didn't even put him on. So these one-year extensions, why not? You know, he can still he can still do a bit of a job for us every now and then, and, and he's a glorious player to watch on his day. Mm. I mean, I think with Juan there's an argument to potentially say that we've not used him as well as we should have done no. over the course of the last sort of year plus 18 months or whatever because I mean this might be outlandish and I might get shouted down for this but I do wonder if we're playing games when we know we're going to have a lot of possession we're pinning teams back you know, to a degree in their own half if you've got plenty of pace around matter so on the flanks and through the middle there is an argument to say that you can afford to not play Va- uh, Fernandez as much because obviously he's all action, he's going to keep on moving, he's going to keep on trying to find that killer pass. Fernandez is obviously far more deadly, but I think Mata consistently uses the ball in a more intelligent way. I think he's less likely to give it away or mistime a pass. So I do wonder if we could be using him a little bit more. Obviously you're right in the sense that you can't play 90 minutes consistently, so obviously he's got limited use. But I do think we, if we're going to keep him, we could certainly be using a little bit more. And I guess as well, as you mentioned there, with the death of his mother, I think that is another reminder to us to start judging these players and re- reminding ourselves of the fact that, you know, so many of us have had a, a terrible last year plus. I mean, you and I and Rich have spoken about this over the last sort of 18 months consistently, uh, you know, sometimes on the pod and sometimes off it. It's been a terrible time. I mean, imagine losing someone that close to you to coronavirus over the last year plus. I mean, and obviously being a public figure to a degree, you know, to have that sort of strength and to be analysing football performance, obviously, is such, it's so disparate to me, you know, and I I love the man and I love the guy. I, I do love the play. You know, we saw him get that penalty in the game against Wolves at the end of the season and obviously that meant a lot to him and it's, he mentioned it, he mentioned it himself, the hardest year of his life, hardest season of his life and I was very pleased that if his, if that is the last thing he does in the United shirt, that it was a moment on that level for him and a bit of a, a release of tension and you know, it does sound like, based on reports, he is going to stick around for another year. And if I'm honest, I'm not against it. You know, and it's not my money, so <laughs> there we go. Uh, right, time for a quick break before we get onto the forwards. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. Paul, uh, actually, before we move our way over to Manchester United's forward, the last chunk of players that we're going to speak about this season, who do you want to see come through the doors of Old Trafford in preparation for our next full season? Well, Jaden Sancho looks like, I mean, from... Oh, out of left field, that one. Yeah. right field. And then I don't know. uh, We need a centre-back, but I don't know who we should be going for. I mean, who are the best centre-backs in the world at the moment? And, And... we're not going to get them. We're, we're, we're going to have to probably settle for someone off the radar. Uh, I know there was talk of Varane, wasn't there? 
I can't see that happening personally. You know, you look at look at Diaz going to City last summer um, for, you know, I've not heard that much about him at the time. And can we find a player like that? I don't know. We we definitely need a centre back. Plus, I mean, ideally, we we need three or four players, but that's not going to happen. So talking about transfers, I find it quite frustrating because we can have these these great wish lists. But I know it's not going to happen. It's just not. And I know, obviously, there was um, there was the fans forum with Joel Glazer um, in the week, and he was talking a good game about transfers and transfer kitties and throwing money at the stadium and this, that, and the other. I believe it when I see it. I just, I, I think it'd be the usual, you know, one sort of marquee signing and then a couple of squad players. It's so difficult to judge on that, isn't it? Mm. You know. I, the fans forum was significant because it's the first time that the Glazers have actually fronted up and spoken to United fans. And again, I mentioned this on Twitter, but full credit must go to Duncan Drasdo, Ian Sterling and MUST for getting the Glazers to sit down with us, discuss these things, to actually talk about the long-term plan for United and investment in the club facilities you know and again you know this comes with the ongoing caveat of saying it's all very well and good saying these things mm. we talk about united's women's side and the fact that casey stoney was promised development of the women's facilities three years ago and it still didn't happen you can talk about this stuff all you like the sound bites are there to be eaten up if you don't do it it means f- all yeah so when it comes to improving old trafford Regardless of the facilities, you know, at any point, you know, obviously we all saw that photo on Twitter of the the Old Trafford train station around the back, which looks rusty as it looks awful. Mm. You know, they've just got to put their money where their mouth is. And when it comes to the transfer kitty, if you look at the fact that we were flirting with Sancho in terms of being able to afford a what an 18, 90 million pound buy last year, obviously with installments. I wonder how much money United have got to play with. You know, you talk about the fact that if that money was available last year, why isn't a chunk of that money available this year? Have we got a little bit more money to play with in terms of who we can go out and buy? I mean, who knows? With the way United has run and, you know, trying to figure out how far the Glazers are going to, how much they would stump up, how much they would let loose and how much equity they would dare release to keep the club, you know, consistent and also try and get us challenging with top honours. It's a hiding to nothing to try and figure out that bunch of lemmings, isn't it? Yeah, I think we, I think all we've got to go on really is the last ten years or whatever it is. No. Oh, great, that's fun. So, <laughs> do you want me to give you a forward? Yeah, go on. Uh, I'm going to give you one of our star boys, Mason Greenwood. Oh, Mason Greenwood. Yeah, um, he had a really tough start to the season, and um, I think inevitably, really, he had a tough start to the season because for, for numerous reasons. Obviously, it's his second season, so suddenly he's not this young lad coming off the bench. Um, people have kind of worked him out a little bit. Opposition um, know what to expect. Um, I think he had a, a dip in form. I think his confidence was a bit low. And, of course, there was the thing with England where he was completely hung out to dry by Gareth Southgate and, and made an example of. Now, what he did on England duty was a bit daft, of course, and we could, you know, I don't want to really get into all that, but I thought that Southgate did hang him out to dry, and I think that probably had a bit of an effect on him. But over the course of the season, he's kept his head down, 
I think there were probably a few United fans who were a little bit worried that maybe it was going to his head a little bit or it was too much too soon or he'd been overplayed. But I think towards the end of the season we saw, again, just what an absolutely exceptional talent this guy is. I think he'll learn so much from and will continue to learn so much from Edison Cavani. I think he'll learn more than anyone else. I think he'll be like a sponge. I think he'll he'll be grateful to, to be playing with a player like Cavani. I think he'll be watching him all the time because, you know, this is a, a lad who's who's been at the top of, of his game throughout his time at United, through, at every single level. You know, he's constantly learning, he's constantly improving. So for him to play alongside Cavani and, and train with him, I think he'll see that as the opportunity that it is. And I think next season we'll see him probably played quite a lot more up front, assuming we get a right winger. And I think we will get a right winger. I think we'll, I think we will get Sancho. And I think that it'll be mm. a, a, more a case of him and Cavani and obviously Martial sort of rotating that, that striker position. I just think he's an exceptional talent. And I was so pleased when his form picked up and it apparently he's been playing with this with this injury, playing through the injury. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think that's that's what footballers do all the time. But the fact that he was playing with a bit of a niggle and still performing so well, you know, he, he's got it all. He really has got it all. And... For me, the second season was always going to be the tough one, onwards and upwards for Mason Greenwood. Yeah, I mean, again, you mentioned the uh, the incident on England duty. You know, he also lost one of his close friends, Jeremy Whiston, to suicide early on the season. You know, he dedicated a goal in the Champions League to him. Huge event in his life. Well, we're, we're so guilty of just analysing footballers as footballers and not yeah. people and again you know this is something that I've discussed ad nauseum so forgive me for going back on it again but especially at this stage you know the lads he's not even 20 years old yeah. still a teenager and I do feel like when we talk about when we critique Mason Greenwood we do have to try our best to kind of keep in mind where he's coming from and it's again I don't think Mason Greenwood has been bad at any point this season. No. I think one of the things is, in particular, from you, you, what, you look at last year, he had the element of surprise, and the goals that he was scoring was a result of defenders stepping off him and giving him a chance to shoot. And he was so quick to pull the trigger that he was catching goalkeepers and defenders by surprise with the purity of his strikes. That's not happened this year because he's had a lot more attention, which means he's been forced a bit more out wide, which means he doesn't get as many chances to drift in and he gets much less opportunity to try and get it onto either left or right foot. But that's helped him develop his game. You know, I think, again, we'll be talking about, you know, we'll get to Cavani in a little while, but one of the great things about his extension is that it gives him another year to learn from one of the best in the business in terms of finding good locations and you know the cross for Cavani's goal in the Spurs win was delicious so good the goal for me the moment of this season that just reminded me what a special player we've got on our hands is the goal that he scored against Leicester in the defeat that we had at Old Trafford a couple of weeks ago mm. the way that he dragged it across and then back across Schmeichel into the far corner even without that much power the sky's the limit for him if he wants it to be because the way that he shoots the ball the way that he creates space for himself is almost elite and I cannot wait to see how he develops. Oh, go on, I'll give you Bruno Fernandes. Oh, now that's an interesting one. I think, yeah, this is something that the guys over at No Question About That have uh, posited in terms of Bruno's sort of full popularity and influence with the team. And the fact that he didn't get named Players Player of the Year, considering that he's got 28 goals and got 17 assists this year and was our top goal scorer, I think that's almost telling about his sort of standing in the team 
Obviously, he has a huge influence, and the fact that he captained the side in Gdansk is notable, considering that he's only been with the club 18 months. You know, he captained us in Paris as well, if I remember correctly. And I do think that when Bruno Fernandes is on song and linking up with the players around him, he can be he can offer us something that few players can in terms of his ability to read runs, read the correct play, and provide something unexpected. And even when he's playing badly, you keep him on the pitch because he can still provide. And if not, he'll probably more than likely score a penalty. And the reason that I didn't pick him for player of the year, despite the numbers, which are fantastic, is that I think he's very symptomatic of the fact that United, in the last couple of years, have leaned heavily towards being a moment side. And I think that when Bruno, especially because he's been flogged to death over the course of the season, you know, played 58 games this year, he's going to be playing in the Euros this summer. So I do wonder about how fresh he's going to be coming into the next season. When he's not on it, he can drop some real goddamn stinkers. Mm. And it's not, he still offers you something. He still offers you something that a lot of the players around him can't in terms of his ability to pick a pass. But when he is fatigued, as we've seen countless times over the course of the second half of this season, the way that his passing and his inability to do the simple things just goes completely out the window is very, very stark. And it's notable when you hear commentators saying, oh, Bruno with an uncharacteristic missed pass. You know, he's a guy that takes a lot of risks and sometimes those risks don't come off. And when they do, they're perfect. He can throw the through ball in fantastically to anyone if he wants to with barely a second thought or a little flick. But when it comes to picking the right man, two times out, one time out of two, you can typically be found wanting with him. And it's just that, it's that boom or bust element that I think made United really reticent two years ago to make the full outlay for him at the start of the season as opposed to midway through it. I still think there's more to come from him, managed better. And I do think that we need to stop burning him out and relying on him so heavily to provide that moment of magic to get through to our front three players. He essentially plays as auxiliary forward these days as opposed to like a a proper midfielder really, doesn't he? Mm. I do think his influence on this side in terms of, again, his ability to provide the unexpected is huge. Don't get me wrong. But I do think part of the reason why we've seen his influence wane over the course of the last few months is because we have relied so heavily on him. And I do think that Solskjaer in particular needs to manage him better. And I think he almost needs to manage himself better in terms of, you know, we all, we hear so much about his desire to play every game and badgering the manager to, you know, feature so often. I think there needs to be a little bit more maturity in terms of figuring out how best to utilise him going forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because when he's fit and he's an absolutely fantastic player, and so influential, like you say, but no one can, like, it's just physically impossible to play that much football and it not affect you. You're right. You know, part of a manager's job is to say no to, to a player. It doesn't matter whether he's badgering him or not. It doesn't matter. You're not playing. Simple as that. You need to protect you. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Oh, good. Well, that made life a bit easier. Okay. Dan James. Ah, I thought you'd want Dan James for yourself. Little Welsh, Welsh Dan James. Well, look, you know full well that any Welsh player that plays for United, or any Welsh player, you know, ever, apart from, (laughs) you know, Ryan Giggs for obvious recent reasons, um, I am genetically predisposed to lord and protect unto the high heavens. But I feel like we maybe need a bit more of an objective view on uh, Little Dan. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, objectively, I've never been convinced that Dan James is, is... Has been or could be good enough for United. I think. Um, Fuck off. <laughs> he seems a lovely lad. 
and it's and I really want him to do well, and he has done well at times, but I'm not sure the quality's there for him to really nail down a place in, in certainly in the starting lineup and because at the moment it feels a bit like he's a one trick pony and you know, and he's got this blistering pace, but there's too often not enough end product. And that's not every time, by the way. I mean, there was a great cross in, uh, it was against Wolves, I think. So, you know, it, it's not that he can't do it. It's just that too often he doesn't. I, I really hope and prove wrong, by the way, obviously, because, you know, he's clearly talented and it's a huge step up for him, massive step up. So I don't think anyone would should have expected him to to become, you know, a top-level player overnight. Um, and he's not been given that many opportunities this season. When he when he did, there was a period sort of mid-season, I think, when he, when he got a few games in a row and he, he did okay. And I was surprised he wasn't put on. I was crying out for him to be put on against uh, Villarreal just for fresh legs and a bit of pace and something different. I remain to be convinced as to whether he's really United quality because he doesn't look it to me, if I'm honest. I mean, it's a nebulous term, United quality, these days. Well, you know what I mean, I I, I get the sentiment what you mean, though, yeah. Five goals in 26 games, and he could argue he have had more. And the thing is with Dan, I think that a one-on-one finisher in terms of having pace and space, he's pretty good in those instances. I don't think, obviously, because of the way we play and the way teams defend against him, he doesn't get that enough. And when he has little time on the ball, a little space, his limitations are really up in the fore, really, aren't they? Yeah. Right, who have you got for me, then? Okay, um, Anthony Martial. Oh, wow. We are really saving the better ones right yeah. end, aren't we? <laughs> Toto. Oh, my dear Toto. I mean, I think Martial is one of the most disappointing stories of the season for me. Yeah. Not, I mean, for a lot of us as well, because, you know, I was a fully paid up member. I still am of Martial FC to a certain degree. Just in the sense that we know that when given license and given the proper tools around him and given the right run in the side, whatever, he can be fantastic for us. You know, he was one of our best players last season. And to see his form drop so severely off a cliff over the course of this last 12 months, obviously with Cavani coming in, but his own just sort of slide and obviously there's fitness to bring into the equation there and the sending off against Spurs. It just seemed like everything fell apart way too quickly. You know, end of the season with seven goals over the course of 36 games and he didn't end up in the final squad after injury sort of curtailed the end of the season. And I don't think he's going anywhere this year because I still think Solskjaer feels that he can get something out of him consistently. And I do think, I I really hope that we can see some consistency come back into his game when we come into this next season because he's a fantastic finisher and a wonderful footballer we didn't see it anywhere near enough this year you know and when we did you know you look think back to the game against City that was a really good center forward performance Mm. in the game at the Etihad in terms of holding the ball up bringing other players into the game and yeah he could have topped it off with a goal which he really arguably should have scored with the one-on-one against Edison which he hit straight at him but other than that you know an excellent performance and he's got that in his locker and we know he can finish we know he can score goals we know he can create it's one of the rare instances of a player at United that has all the tools to succeed and be as good as he could possibly want to be. But it's a number of factors that sort of all congeal together to stop him from progressing. And again, partly that's down to circumstance and partly that's just down to how badly a player wants it. You know, I, I don't want to question his motivations too much because I do think Martial is an exquisite footballer when he's playing his game and he's happy. You know, that much should be obvious for anyone to see who's ever watched him for United over the course of the last few years. But... You know, I, I do just wonder now with 
where United see themselves over the next few years in terms of what they want to do. You know, if the plan is for us to spend that money on Sancho this year and maybe go for Haaland the following year, then, you know, obviously phase Cavani out after that. Then Martial's got a, a, a big point to prove going into this next year to say, no, you don't need to do that. And I I think that'd be huge for him to be able to stop, you know, force the club's hand and maybe rethink about investing in a centre forward. You know, he's got Cavani coming in, who had a fantastic second, well, last few months of the season. He's got Greenwood, he's gunning for his centre forward position, where arguably that's where he sees himself going forward. There has never been more to prove for Martial, and I really hope he can prove a lot of people wrong in terms of his consistency. I'm just not sure he can. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one with Marcel. I actually genuinely think he's one of the most gifted players at the club. Naturally gifted. Oh, no doubt about it. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what it is that's holding him back. I mean, it, it seemed so, it's so... You know, it seemed like last season was a real breakthrough season for him. Solskjaer had, had, had sold Lukaku. He put his trust in Marcel. And Marcel repaid that trust really you know with a really good goals return and a really good season and you re- you know you just felt like well, fantastic we've got a striker and, and potentially we've got a striker for the next you know six seven years or whatever 23 goals last season in 48 games fantastic return and, and, and you, you just expected more improvement and I'm not sure what it is um people talk about his attitude the fact he doesn't smile I'm not sure I buy that. I do think he's a real confidence player and I think his confidence was knocked early in the season and he's just not quite been able to recover. There were a few games when things just didn't quite go for him and, you know, a dodgy bounce here or a poor control there, whatever it might be. And yeah. I, it felt like it, 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 it looked like he, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders um, a lot of the time this season. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Martial is that I don't think he could potentially have a better manager since Ferguson no. at United to get the best out of him than Solskjaer in terms of giving him confidence and giving him space and giving him a little bit of encouragement. Right, uh, three more left. Uh, one of the shorter ones now, Ahmad Diallo. I really haven't seen enough. I mean, he looks incredibly raw, <laughs> doesn't he? He looks like, I mean, he looks like a kid. Um, he's very slight. Solskjaer must have seen something in him. He's quick. He, he's, he's got, you know, he's, he's certainly skillful. Um, he scored that um, lovely goal against against AC Milan, um, which was a lovely moment. Uh, but he just he just looks so raw. Um, he, he clearly needs to kind of beef up a little bit. Um, and obviously, it's a big change for him. You know, a young lad coming to a new country, um, to a club like United, with quite a lot of expectation. Actually, I think from the fans, probably a little bit too soon. Um, he hasn't played that much. F- sort of top level football so this season I think was always we're only ever going to see sort of flashes of him really um, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean you know he's, a, he's obviously a right winger and, and United are apparently going all out for Jadon Sancho again so you know long term what's the plan for him I guess um, I guess we'll see but I think he's, it's always exciting to buy young players um, young forward players so um, I think next season we'll, 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 we'll see a lot more of him mm. alright two more Two more, Paul. Okay, I will... This is going to be a case of which one you want, isn't it? No, not at all. Is it Cavani? Is it Rashford? Go on, you can have Rashford. Yeah! Oh, that's want Rashford. very generous of you. Few players, I think ever, in the history of watching football, let alone United, make me as proud as Marcus Rashford does. 
a man who took on battles outside of football that he had that he had his own personal needs to fight. Marcus Rashford could have chosen a much easier life over the course of the last 18 months and he chose not to and he takes on board a remarkable amount of flack we saw in the aftermath of the Villarreal defeat the, the racist abuse that he was getting from United fans all over the shop and it was it still remains disgusting. And anyone who thinks that he used that abuse as a means to deflect attention or criticism away from his performance can frankly f*** right off. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of Rashford's season, there is absolutely a train of thought to suggest that it wasn't a Rashford vintage in comparison with last year. 21 goals, 15 assists, 57 games. Did we see the best of him over the course of a whole season? No, we didn't. We know why that was. Because he's been injured for a huge chunk of it. The performances have certainly curtailed as a result. And again, Solskjaer is guilty of relying on him and Fernandez's explosiveness to provide a key moment during a game that might be drifting away from us. And I can't blame him to a degree for doing that. I do think that Rashford definitely could have used a couple more days off. I appreciate why that couldn't have happened. Because obviously United have had such pressure on their games in terms of sealing top four quite late on in the season. The Champions League and obviously going for the Europa League title. It it was difficult to manage United's aspirations whilst also managing their players. And that's been... We're not the only club who's fallen foul of that. When it comes to Rashford, I see a player with a remarkable touch, dribble, awareness of what's going on around him. He's linking up superbly well with the players around him. He's scoring more goals than we've ever seen him do consistently for the last two years, 20 plus in the last two years. And the great thing about Rashford is that there's still so much more to come. You see him becoming more of a leader, more of a focal point in the attack. You see him developing into, I don't want to use this word too lightly and I don't want to heap too much pressure on it because Marcus Rashford should be able to do whatever the hell he wants with his life with his influence with his money with the football but he is an icon Mm. to say this is what you can achieve and not only that you can use your influence you can use your platform to fight for a better country and a better world he is a star for United in terms of who he is as a player and who he is as a person and I could not be prouder to have him as part of this club. I love that guy so much. Yeah, and I, I, I find it staggering that any United fan could feel any other way about him than that, really. he's um, Not only is he an exceptional talent who's struggled this season, I think, because of his, his, his he's clearly been carrying an injury all season, and he's clearly been... Well, that and the United team on his back from off of it. Yeah, exactly, and he's knackered, and... Um, and I wish he wasn't going to the Euros, if I'm honest, because um, he really needs a break. But well, there's talk about him potentially having to have an operation once the Euros is over, yeah. which is just. Oh, I mean, I understand why that's being done, and I appreciate he wants to play for England. You know, how great was it to see him captain the team at the weekend and score that penalty with the armband on? Mm. But from the United perspective, I'm going to be completely selfish. I just want him wrapped up in cotton wool. Yeah, absolutely. I remember saying at the very beginning of the pandemic, I think it was, that I found him really inspiring. And that was before all this this incredible work he's done off the pitch. So now it's difficult to even put into words um, how much adoration I've got for the guy, really. And like you, I feel incredibly proud that he's 
that he's part of our club. You know, I, I genuinely, again, like you, I really do think that the best is yet to come with him because prior to that back injury last season, it really felt like he was reaching world-class levels of performance. He was unplayable. And then he got that injury and obviously he's not been quite the same since. And yet, you know, people are saying he's had a, a, a poor season and by his standards, it has been a bit poor in terms of his kind of overall play. And he, look at his numbers and it's been absolutely incredible. So if that's him in a, in a poor season, then, you know, wait till he's fit again. I mean, this guy is the real deal. Well, wait till you get... Greenwood potentially playing through the middle more, Greenwood having a better season, Sancho playing on the right, and Cavani having consistent football under his belt. You know, we're going to talk about Cavani in a minute, but so few of these players actually came into this season in the best state of mind. Mm. And obviously because of the Europa League campaign, we came into it with barely any preparation time. With a, a proper period of rest under him, yeah. Rashford could be immense next season. And I guess that leaves you with arguably the sexiest member? Of this United squad? I mean, that goatee. Oh, good grief. Edinson Cavani. Yeah, he's. we were watching um, a, a match a few weeks ago and my wife walked in and, and she said, who's that? And I, and I said, it's Edinson Cavani. And um, and I said, he, he's fit, isn't he? And she said, oh, he's not really my type. And I just thought, how can you possibly say that? He's gorgeous. Shut um, up. I love him. I absolutely love him. I love I love his style of play. I love what he brings to the game, what he you know, his his power and, and passion, um, his determination to win, uh, and obviously his finishing and his movement. I mean and everyone talks about his movement his movement, but it is really quite exceptional. Uh it's been a joy to watch and I can't wait to watch him in the flesh he's just kind of he just he, he screams United player to me and I'm so relieved and so glad that he's staying for another season and that fans will be able to watch him you know in the flesh hopefully um, next season because to me just he feels like a completely typical United player you know he's got it all and the mystery is why he went and wasted so long at P- in PSG, and I'm sure he'd say it wasn't a waste, but for, to me, it feels like a bit of a waste, a, a player of his standard going over there um, to such a kind of relatively poor poor league. But yeah, he's, he's a real joy to watch, and I feel quite privileged to have watched him play in a United shirt, you know, just another great player to have, to have witnessed in a, in a red shirt. Mm-hmm. I think it's a big testament to his quality that in March, I would say, we were having serious discussions about whether or not we'd be happy to see the back of him. And that's not to say that the goals that he was scoring were bad. I think it was more just seeing consistency and his ability to get on the end of crosses or whatever, or the fact that we were kind of struggling to give him what he needed. When it clicked, it was immense. Yeah, The way that he brings the other players into the game, the way that... In the in comparison with say Ibrahimovic, if we're going to talk about you know slightly aging strikers that we brought into the club, Ibrahimovic needed everything to go through him. He had to be a focal part of every single attack that we made. Cavani doesn't need that. He, you know, I'm not suggesting we can rely on him for sort of 50 games a season next year because I do think we have to manage him. You know, he's 34; he's no spring chicken. Yeah. But you see him making runs. You see him working hard off the ball. Clearly, he looks after himself enough that he can play a good chunk of games next season. 
And the off-the-ball work is imperative because he's able to find those runs. And he's obviously got a good enough understanding with Rashford. You know, you look at the goals that Rashford's provided for him, you know, that the equaliser against Southampton is perfect. You know, the, the free kick goes out to Rashford, he takes one touch, looks up. He knows Cavani's going to make that run. Yeah. It's superb. The crosses like that are his bread and butter. And he's so good at getting on the end of them and reading the ball and the game. And I... I honestly, I think we can see even more from him next year. You know, he ended with 17 goals out of 39 appearances. Obviously, a fair few of those were subs, but he ended up being our biggest player towards the last few months oh, of the yeah, season absolutely. because he just pulled us along. You know, he scored yeah. so many good goals. That goal against Fulham, I mean, what a way to, in- <laughs> to ingratiate yourself with the Old Trafford crowd, scoring a goal like that after the amount of time you've had away from the stadium. Mad. Just perfect, wasn't it? Ah, oh, a perler. It was gorgeous. I... I- I've got a huge amount of time for Edison Cavani, and I know it's not been perfect. You know, I obviously we talk about his influence on the team. It took a while to get going. You know, he hadn't played for PSG for months when he arrived, and obviously we did ourselves a massive disservice by not bringing him in sooner, preparing yeah. him a bit better for what the season was going to be. Who knows where we could have been if we'd had Cavani fit and firing consistently, and obviously if things hadn't shaken out with his ban earlier on in the season. I, I'm really pleased for not just us but for the team that we've got Cavani for another season and I think it gives us an opportunity to continue Mason's development through the middle maybe get Martial up to a better level of consistency you do see a big game player in that guy and I don't think we've got enough of those in terms of big personalities to pull us to pull us over the finish line when we need that and I still think having a player with that fire with that ability to defend his teammates, you know, one of the moments of the season was him in defending Mason in Rome, for yeah. instance. He's still got such a drive to win, and that's not something we've had in abundance over the years. So I couldn't be more pleased based on the way the season shook out that we've ended up with him for another year. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, right, Paul, we have done it the squad has been done we've almost hit two hours and this was me thinking we could try and get this into one hour and 15 when will i learn <laughs> yeah it was never gonna happen no it wasn't it wasn't was it right um off top of your head one moment that is going to stick with you for the rest of your time as a united fan from this year um do you know probably that edison cavani goal against fulham I just thought it was a thing of beauty, absolute thing of beauty. I could get down with that. I mean, that that was such a release, wasn't it? it yeah, was so nice after with the so fans there and everything. See. Absolutely incredible. My brother was there as well, and it, it, you know, I was so pleased with my brother as well that he got to see that. Um, I think I might go for that Cavani header against Southampton, not because it was. A, I mean, it was a good goal. Don't get me wrong, but I think for what it signified. Yeah. United are very big on nostalgia, whether by design or through accident these days, in terms of the documentaries we put out, in terms of how we present ourselves, in terms of how much we talk about our past. But that was such a, a strong callback to our history, wasn't it? That yeah. game. You know, we, we arguably should have not made it quite so stressful, but to get a late goal like that in that sort of fashion and see Cavani mobbed. It was uh, a superb moment. It did yeah, have me wondering about how far the season could go. But I think that's it, Paul. I think we call it there. What do you reckon? Yeah. It was Sixth I've... season done. Sixth season done. Can't believe it. Where's, where did the time go, Ewan? Uh, next question. <laughs> As always, Paul, my dear, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, mate. Right. I mean, obviously, we'll still keep in touch, but for intents and purposes, uh, goodbye for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for listening this season or the season before that or any season or even if it's just this week. We are so grateful to have you and thank you so much for your efforts in supporting us and to listening to us. 
we have so much enjoyed this season with you and we can't wait to welcome you back probably in August when we start to prepare for our seventh year in doing this podcast. In the meantime, don't forget, we'll still be available on social, so by all means come and chat to us. You can get me on Twitter at you and like this. Paul's available at PaulGunning1, Rich at Rich Red Voices, and the pod itself at Red Voices MUFC. You can find our website at redvoices.net. The podcast can be found on any single podcast app you could hope to find. Any sort of ratings or subscriptions or reviews you can provide on any sort of podcast app are hugely useful. In the meantime, please look after yourselves over this Euro 2020 summer. We hope you have a wonderful time. Take care of yourselves wherever you are in the world. Huge love to you all. Take care. Bye.